Okay, this is the Brian Hornback podcast episode. You know what? I forgot to look. It's somewhere in the middle, uh, somewhere in the number 40s. But anyway, we've got with us tonight City Councilwoman Lauren Ryder uh, from District 4. And uh, Lauren's been on the City Council now for four years. She's running Going on there. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, it, what, three, three and a half, right? Something like that. Anyway, so uh, she's, there you go. So, um, First of all, you, you kind of represent, what, Holston Hills? Holston uh, Hills to the East Mall, Alice yeah. Bell, Spring Hill, um, Washington Pike area, North Hills, Edgewood, Emerlin, Fairmont, down Broadway to Old North, Fourth and Gill, and then all the way up Broadway to the county line um, with Fountain City. Nice. So, the last four years, what has been... The, the best part of being a city councilwoman in the last, in this term? In this term. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not COVID. No. Um, <laughs> and it's not Zoom meetings. No. Um, the best part. Gosh, well, that is, well, Brian, you said it's going to be the easiest, most fun interview. That's kind of a hard question. Well, um, I don't know. What, what, know? what, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy most about being city councilwoman? I guess would be, would be another way to ask that question. So I enjoy most meeting people and getting out and talking to people in the district and finding out what their issues are and hearing them talk about their problems and then finding solutions to them. Right. Um, And, you know, it's uh, seeing changes happen and having people, a lot of times there's like mediation of issues. You do a lot of troubleshooting um, and connecting people. Like sometimes they can't get through. Sometimes you're just, helping people get good customer service out of the city. Right. They don't know who to ask or they might know to call 311, but they don't know that there's like a follow-up number mm. and how to get the follow-up report to what was done. Like I have a constituent that had a flooding issue um, that was a drain that needed to get cleaned out and everything got taken care of, but they wanted to know more about what happened and what the loan term was, what the, uh, where the drainage was coming from. So you help them like get the report um, and, and make plans for the long term and then mediate some of the discussions with the neighbor. Because a lot of things in the city are about what's going on on a neighbor's property and how that impacts your property. Right. So I enjoy doing the customer service side of that with people and they're really, really grateful. Like I had a guy, his recycling uh, bin fell into the truck and got ground up <laughs> and he was having trouble getting a new recycling bin and um he ended up getting a new one and thought i was a superhero and that's a really simple thing right but people just want their services to happen um and they um and it's not always seamless there's a lot coming into the city and sometimes people need a little help and need to know who to talk to so you you served you're, you're kind of you you and the the folks i guess that are up for re-election now you served a couple years with uh, Mayor O'Hara and, and now um, about a year and a half or so with Mayor Ken Cannon. Um, have, has there been a lot of change? Has there been a lot of differences between the two mayors? Well, um, I think the biggest difference is COVID happened. And right. so I think it derailed all the plans. I mean, we went from plans, we went from a budget that had you know goals and ambitions into in it to an austerity budget. Hmm. Um, and we went to a budget that was getting a lot of uh, COVID cares dollars out of federal government and almost everything that's come in, come in from COVID cares dollars has gone to places like CAC, BMC, Salvation Army, 
or United Way to keep people from falling into homelessness, because that's one of the number one things that we could do in this pandemic is keep more people from becoming homeless. That's the best way to prevent homelessness is to stop it from happening in the first place. So I feel like there's been a huge focus on that. It's certainly not what people wanted to focus on, but um, it's just been a really challenging time for people in the community and for businesses. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's certainly not the normal beginning to anybody's, uh, you know, time on council. I mean, even the council members that were new, um, like if you talk to like Lynn Fugit, she sits mm-hmm. next to me. Uh, and before that was Marshall Stair. Lynn's like, I haven't gotten a chance to know my council colleagues because we met online for a long time. Right. And uh, um, so it's just been really uh, disruptive uh, to the process and to moving forward. There's certainly a lot of things that are happening, um, but it's not the normal process. Um, and, and it really is distracting to be honest. Right. Now on those, on those dollars that are coming from the federal government, I mean, I know Knoxville's getting a lot. I know that, uh, the Knox County's getting a lot. Uh, Knox County schools obviously is getting a bunch. Yeah. The ARP dollars. So those right. are separate monies that right. are coming. But we don't know when, but well, yeah. Well, the County, well, the County and city, I, I assume, I assume both entities will just kind of stay in their silos and, spend their money but there's there's not really going to be a concerted effort to like for like the county to say hey you know can we help because ideally and this struggle has been going on for years i mean i i've been i've been active in politics since 1982 uh, when i was 16 years old so there's always been this real controversy from as far back as the former mayor that went on to be ambassador of of a foreign country that I don't like to say his mm-hmm. name. I don't like to say his name a lot, but you know, there was always that discussion that the city is in the County. So people mm-hmm. in the city, you know, they vote for County officials. They pay County tax, city tax. And, you know, it, it would, it would seem to an outsider looking in and I'm, I'm a County resident, but it seems like if we're getting that much money, that there mm-hmm. might be a way for the two entities, the county and the city, to sit down and say, okay, this is what we're spending the money on. Because, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of money coming in. Right. Um, um, well, and it's big one-time dollars, right? Right. So it's like, what do you do with the one-time thing that's coming your way? It may not happen. And let's hope to God it doesn't happen again right. in our lifetimes, right? Right. So – I'm not sure. I have a meeting scheduled for next week to talk about how some of those, what the thoughts are on some of those dollars. I know in talking with engineering, they're making plans for some capital improvement projects. Um, We have all kinds of infrastructure around that needs upgrades or um, replacement. Like for example, not COVID dollars, but a bridge from 1910 was replaced in my district. Oh, wow. Uh, Recently opened mineral Springs. Okay. Um, and so you went from a regular size bridge to a bridge with a greenway slash multi-use path on either side so that, you know, as we build onto that, it's going to connect and connect Fountain City towards the rest of the city. So planning ahead and, you know, 1910, you didn't build a bridge that way, right? Right. So I know engineering is looking at what projects do we need done, infrastructure, you know, road bridge type projects um, that take major capital dollars. Um, that doesn't mean we're doing them all. But doing an inventory of what needs to be done, um, everybody's going to have, you know, some tug 
of what's important to them and their district. Um, and of course, the administration will have their ideas. Uh, I don't know what those is. I don't have an exhaustive list at this point. Right. I do know some of the conversation to go to your specific point about partnership. I'm not sure <laughs> what yeah. the plans are, but I do think there's some conversations going on. And I want to tie back to one of the number one issues in my district and in the city is conversations about homelessness right. and the problems we can talk about housing all day long. We could talk about, you know, who's to blame and who's this and who's that. They, we are not going to end homelessness and make a dent in that until we address mental health care and drug addictions. Those two things are not being addressed. Um, and that's why we see things worsening and, uh, and, 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 and they've worsened in the pandemic. And they've worsened in the opioid crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's some conversation going on about um, some mental health care that would be a partnership between the city and the county. But I would hesitate to say that that's a definitive because I haven't been involved in that conversation. I understand. I I hope that if there's a joint conversation, that's the conversation that we're having. Because we all know that we've all gone backwards since Lakeshore, which was state-funded closed we put a lot of people who are mentally ill out on the streets anticipating that they were going to take care of themselves get themselves to doctor's appointments take their meds so that they could be stable and they were in an environment where we just there's a lot of people who need to be in an environment where somebody makes sure they take their medication make sure they make their doctor's appointments and if they don't have supportive you know social worker or supportive care like in permanent supportive housing setting to do that it just doesn't happen and that's where you see people homeless, um, you know, with addictions and they're self-medicating and or coping with addiction issues. That is the number one thing that is pulling down our neighborhoods. It's impacting our businesses. It's causing lots of homelessness. Um, so if we're going to do something jointly, that's what we need to be doing because our jail is full of people who are mentally ill. Um, people who are going out and committing crimes to feed their addictions. And until we help deal with those diseases, we are not going to be able to move forward. Well, and as a community, we've, we've had, we've had plenty of different agencies and entities to work with homeless, but it still hasn't, it still hasn't really, still really hasn't helped. I mean, you know, you got, I mean, I, I know in back several years ago, I mean, when, when, the fourth and Gill community finally, you know, finally said, you know, we've got it all. I mean, when volunteer ministry center moved from gay street to, to Broadway, I mean, you know, and you've got all those, you've got all those entities right there in mm-hmm. together. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still, and, and you know, it's still not really making a dent. And, and now we're seeing those homeless are, are not, you know, they're expanding out. I mean, they're expanding out to, out into the county um and and you're right i mean um you know helen ross mcnab i mean they're a large agency but they can't they can't do it all obviously right and so we're providing we've got a lot of nonprofits clustered in a district providing a lot of services like temporary shelter or social work um trying to address maybe we have very little on the day service side bmc is about the only provider giving day services for those who stay at the foyer. Um, That's something um, I have heard it said that whatever we're doing is not working and that we're not doing enough. Um, What I would like to say is there are some things that we're doing that just got started. 
speaking of mm. things that have happened under the new mayor, um, they started under the previous mayor, but the foyer is new and that opened in December with 40 something beds. And that is a low barrier shelter because when you talk about there's all these services, there's all these providers, no one's providing mental health care. We have seen decades of rolling back of mental health care. We have tons of people in the state with no health care option and they can't go out like someone who's on health insurance and get mental health care. They've burned their bridges with their families because of their addictions or you know behaviors that they didn't control or couldn't control. And we end up housing them in jails or out in camps, out in the streets or maybe in a shelter. And none of these agencies are able to offer what we need, which is mental health care and addiction. Now the city and the county and the state partnered, Burchett pushed to get the funding that was promised to Knox County, Knoxville City, when Lakeshore closed, we were promised a certain amount of money to fund the behavioral health care unit. We didn't get it. Burchett pushed and between Rojero, Burchett and some state funding, they opened the behavioral health care unit that's over off Western. Right. But it's very few beds. Um, it doesn't touch the need that we, you know, you went from a big facility like Lakeshore to something small. Right. That went from 72 hours of care to 24 hours of care. Um, I mean, let's not just give a little band-aid to something that's a hemorrhaging bleed. Right. Right. I mean, so what I've been saying when I'm going out and talking, there was a recent meeting that BMC had with people about doing something to kind of help with barriers to homeless. We need to get real as a community and say, do you really want to address this problem? Or you just want to keep adding, you know, small little helps. We're just not getting real about it. Right. If you you got to get real and say, what does it take to address this problem? When did it start getting worse? It started getting worse when you closed Lakeshore. Right. Well, and, and many, you know, many of us, including myself, I mean, you know, that was that was under the Haslam administration. And, you know, you know, it was really questionable then. um whether they would, the state would keep their commitment, and um, Governor Haslam said they would, and they never did. Um, and that's really, you know, I mean, that's a great park at Lakeshore. I mean, you know what what it it's turned what it's turned into <laughs> is great, but at the end of the day, um, you know, at what cost did that happen to our community? But on to other things, you know, uh, your district is getting ready to have some uh, new jobs, some uh, probably. A lot of new jobs, right? Yeah. Probably some fifteen dollar or more uh, per hour jobs over at the. Uh, and I was by there the other day, and I think East Town Mall, uh, which is what I've always called it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's basically gone now. Um, it is. It's pretty all. It's just like wow. I mean, uh, when I ran in two thousand seventeen, that was one of the biggest concerns on doors. People wanted to see that, you know, return to the mall and the commerce center that we all wanted. Lots of people in the community had plenty to say about what they thought it should be. But ultimately, whoever owns the property gets to determine what is there because right. it wasn't government owned. It's privately owned. Um, and we are capitalist society here. And so um, Amazon came in and they had the capital to purchase it and they are rehabbing it. And it's ex- expected to be 700 jobs um, with uh, that are $15 an hour with benefits. Um, they are working with the city to continue having a bus stop there, so that'll serve that area. Mm-hmm. I was pushing for a greenway, so hopefully that would be awesome if that would happen. 
um, because you've got Walmart across the street with a greenway, mm-hmm. and then you have some greenway back over at New Harvest Park and Greenway going with some road construction there at Washington Pike. So it would be nice to connect some of those neighborhoods and areas with uh, not only recreation but ways to get to the store. Um, so we don't always have to take our car to get places. Right. And uh, um, so that would just be smart to do it on the front end while you're doing it. That's the cheapest way to do it is do it on the front end versus retrofitting and squeezing things in. But I also want to mention it's not just those jobs. Um, Fraley Schilling expanded and did 102 jobs added in an office building uh, out at Straw Plains, mm. which is in the 4th District. Forgot to mention that, Straw Plains out oh, there. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks to that mayor that I don't like to call his name for that annexation, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so 102 jobs coming out there. And then um, also Axel Logistics. And there's all plenty of small employers across the district. Um We've got lots of great things going on, uh, Central and Broadway and other areas in the district, um, looking for um, investments along Asheville Highway out towards mm. uh, Holston Hills and connecting that into the city as well. But Axel Logistics has been a great success story. Those are two local guys, went to UT. I think they have logistics degrees. They bought the old Holt Ops building, which was sitting there vacant, um, actually owned at some point by the same person that owned the East Mall wow. and the standard knitting mill. So those were three of many properties owned by somebody and they were just sitting. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what is the timeline on standard knitting mill building? I mean, I know there's a redevelopment plan on that one cause that one just changed hands not too long ago. Changed hands. I think they're called WRS. Right. Uh, I can't remember what the rest of it is, but I think it's WRS. They're based in Charleston. Um, they had the underground in Atlanta, but I think hmm. that, fell apart and i don't think they own that anymore okay um but it's a charleston group and they took ownership and i believe the public meeting about that was february Hmm. 2020 and then COVID hit in march so i haven't heard any updates on it it's uh in the sixth district right on the fringe of of the fourth six straddling more or less um uh, the fourth and sixth district there super important to all of these neighborhoods over here Definitely want to see that redeveloped. Um, it connects to Caswell Park. Right. Um, those are some of the biggest things that need to happen and, and continue, and that's one of the things that got me involved in local politics is blighted, vacant, abandoned structures. They do nothing for anybody. Um, they just bring down the community around them. Um, those are all opportunities that uh, you know we need to see repurposed. Um, one of the biggest things we need in Knoxville is housing. So, um, of all, of all price points. And so, uh, I think that's one of the plans there for standing standard knitting mill is to see more housing. Cool. And, um, uh, but I don't know what their timetable is. So does, uh, as you've been out campaigning, uh, this will be the last question. You've been out campaigning. Have you, uh, have, have the people in the fourth district wanted to talk about a baseball stadium or, or is that just a, a East Knoxville only issue? Oh no, it's um, it's it's definitely something people talk about outdoors. I will say the majority of the people who bring it up, they're in favor of it. Right. Then other people, uh, I've had a couple other constituents. Constituents, they're not opposed to it, but they're concerned about parking. I got mm. one question by email yesterday about parking. Um, people that use other things downtown, they want to be able to make sure that there's still enough parking for them to go do you know, the symphony or the theater or the restaurants um, and that the parking 
is not so competitive that they can't find a place to park. So um, I think we had a lot of conversation to make sure all that's ironed out. We had that workshop last week yep. and I, I, we didn't I, get to ask all our questions. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked how you uh, challenged uh, Commission Chairman Jay uh, when he came to you. You're like, only one question? And, I'm uh, like, come on, man, don't cut me off. Yeah, so, I'm a talker. I can't yeah, do one question. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, early voting is going on through the 26th of August, and then uh, mm -hmm. primary days the 31st. So I'll let you make a, a last-minute uh, appeal to folks in the 4th District to uh, cast a vote, and then I'm sure uh, – I'm sure it'll be on to November after that. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the Brian Hornback podcast. Yeah, I appreciate your interest in uh, local politics and keeping up with stuff and following on stuff. Um, Fourth District, everybody needs to get out and vote. This is the hottest race in the city. We are about 50% of all votes cast. Not quite, but almost. Um, so this is one not to be missed. And early voting goes through the 26th. Uh, election Day is on my birthday, August 31st. Yep. So hopefully well, that goes I have, decently. I have noticed that, uh, you know, downtown West has always been the big, they've always been the, the big uh, early voters, but New Harvest Park right there in the 4th District uh, has mm -hmm. been exceeding downtown West on, on a pretty consecutive, on a pretty pretty good basis almost every day because I follow every day the, the numbers as they come in. And New Harvest Park is... Uh, Starting it's to beat hot. downtown West on early votes. So people people in the 4th District are, are voting. I just wish there would be more. Right now, I think we're at, um, I think we're, what, about 4,000, not quite 4,000 votes. Um, yeah. We're getting close to it right now, but there's still a few more days early vote to go. So um, I encourage everybody, you know, it doesn't matter who you vote for. Uh, Winfield Dunn, when he announced for governor back in the early 70s, he was the first Republican governor. Um, but when he announced uh, on the on the steps, he said, support me if you can, oppose me if you must, but above all, participate. And that's what that's what people need to do. They need to first of all, you, you need to participate, but you also need to do the study uh, to know it and cast a good vote. Uh, you don't need to just go vote for, you know, it, you know, I'll follow up on that. And I will just say Google us. Uh, do your own research. Don't just listen to talking points. Um, I'm certainly proud of the work that I've done. I've worked with a lot of people in the district to, like I said, mediate or negotiate best outcomes for neighborhoods, for business owners, for people in the community. Um, but um, what I recommend, and a lot of things I hear from people out in the district, is go Google us and see what you find. Don't just take at face value what uh, talking points we throw out there. All right. Um, I think, uh, you know, that gives you a better rounded experience. And I will say my dad always voted, always. Yeah. My grandmother always voted. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who my dad voted for in any election because he's one of those people that will not tell you who he voted for. And he'll say enough bad and good things about each person that you walk away scratching your head. Right. Um, but uh, he's from that era and feelings of, of how he votes. But uh, never misses an election. And I remember that as a child. And we always take our kids to vote. I think that that um, that's a sign of success. Do your kids vote? Absolutely. Um, and pay attention. Absolutely. Again, we appreciate you being on here. Good luck, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you as we get close to November. All right. Have a good Thank night. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Bye bye. All right.